big sky, big potential. In association with Mills and Reeve, this is Eastern Promise. Achieving more together. Southwold, on the Suffolk coast, is shorthand for a certain well-heeled gentility. It's a traditional seaside town that defends its charms with vigour. It's also home to Adnams, a family brewing and hospitality business that has a deep symbiotic relationship with Southwold. It has pubs and hotels in the town and across the region, both owned and tenanted. And alongside making incredibly popular beers, wines and spirits, Adnams is an independent brand that's seen as a bellwether for the UK's brewing and hospitality industries. So, with a sense that my visit was long overdue, I headed to Southwold to see the famous Soul Bay Brewery and meet with Chief Executive Andy Wood OBE. Anyone who's watching the video of this will know perfectly well by now where we are. Yeah, um, right. Somebody put it very nicely a minute ago to me that there is no Adnams without Southwold and there's no Southwold without Adnams. Andy Wood, OBE, DL, Chief Executive of Adnams, welcome to Eastern Promise. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Well, it's nice to be here, Mike. It's been a long time, but we're talking at last. We are indeed. I have here a very lovely copy of the... Adnams Annual Report and Accounts 2022. Um, Now, right through this is talk of Adnams values. And I just wanted to invite you to sort of articulate those for the viewers and the listeners. What are the Adnams values? Absolutely. Well, the values are, um, you know, they are codified, sort of innovative and evolving. We like to think of ourselves as an innovative company that's continually evolving. Um, distinctive quality, so we are very serious about the quality of products that uh, that we produce, and then sustainable success, um, and that's not only from an environmental sustainability perspective, but um, from you know having a team of people who see this as a business that it's worth working for and are are loyal to the team. Uh, to our regard for the built environment, for our regard to the social environment. You know, we we make alcohol for a living. Um, I would argue that, uh, you know, it helps conviviality, it helps a party go with a swing. Um, but also, if it's misused, it can do, you know, personal and um, social harms. Mm. So we're very conscious of that as well. So I would like to think of ourselves as a responsible business in, in in that regard but it's really a sort of sense um, this has largely been a family-owned business since 1872 we do have a public listing but there are family members still work in the mm-hmm. business and Jonathan Adams is is my chairman and you know it's one big family um, we don't always get on like all families, <laughs> like all families but, yeah. uh, but uh, by and large we do but we have this sort of framework of values that runs deep in, in the business. I think, I mean, that's, that's something we will come on to, particularly on the, the ESG side. Yeah. Um, but one of the other things that comes uh, out of the report that struck me uh, from your particular contribution to the, the strategic part of it was the investments in technology and being a data-led business. You opened a store in Bishop Stortford mm. because mm. the data mm. said that you, 
that is a place that you should. There's customers there you want to serve. And that seems both strange for a brewery and actually obvious for a business. How, is, how do you see that progressing, those investments in technology and the, the being driven by data? Well, you're right. It, it, it could be seen as you know counterintuitive to a brewery that makes beer and sells it to pubs. But um, more and more, uh, and we saw this through the pandemic, more and more people choose to buy our products online. Um, any business now needs to uh, deliver a good service to its customers. Um, you know, from ordering a product to booking a meal in one of our pubs to a stay in our hotels. This is all data that's coming into the organisation. Um, we have a big machine that uh, crunches that data and tells us what people like. And uh, we understand our customer base really well. Mm. Uh, and we can segment that customer base and we can deliver up offers to those customers based on their preferences we want to do that in a way that uh, comes across as we're still a business that has a soul um, you know we don't want to be sort of freaky around that we want to you know communicate in a way that Adnams communicates but every business today has got to you know with complex supply chains has got to use data intelligently unfortunately we renewed our um uh, enterprise resource planning system ERP system back in 2018 2019 and we have a whole series of ways that we interact with the customer around that core system and that's enabled us to make some steps forward in this in this space so i mean how far afield could you would, would you see the data driving you i mean would you for example say and i you may tell me this is a already happened or be too fanciful to be likely but if the data said there was, I don't know, market for an Adnum store in, in the centre of Berlin, let's say, or, or Prague, or, or, or I don't know where, the airport in Dubai, if, the, if you're, things are allowed like that, would, would, would you say that's what the data says? Or well, would you be a, take a sort of more... I, I think we always have to blend the data with what the business can cope with at any one time and, and what the business feels is manageable. Um, we do know that there are hotspots of Adnams customers in Nottingham. We know that there's uh, a band of Adnams customers in South Manchester. Um, these are things that the data is telling us. But, uh, but at this stage and at this stage of our development as we're recovering the business from the pandemic, it would be a bit of a risk to make that leap into Nottingham or yeah. into South Manchester. But at some point, you know, we are radiating out further from Southwold. We have to remember that Adnam sells its product in 24 countries right. uh, around the world as well. So, you know, there are already markets for Adnam's, uh, Adnam's yeah. beer globally. So uh, I was talking to our export manager just now and uh, he was updating me on what's going on in Italy, what's going on in Australia what's going on in France, one of our biggest markets just across yeah. the channel. Um, so there's demand out there. So yeah. the world in that respect is our oyster. But, uh, you know, reaching those markets, given what's going on in the home market, is, yeah. is, is not without its risks. Yeah. There's obviously a lot of pressures, uh, and the, the report does go into this, and I recommend uh, a read. Uh, 
about the pressures on energy, on grain, on CO2, which always seems strikes me slightly ironic. On mm. the one hand, we can't get rid of We've the got, stuff. We can't get rid of the stuff. We're desperate for it. Um, <laughs> we need it to be taken out of the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, find a way. Um, and, 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 you know, Yeah. Um, and even sort of the, the places from which you source wine um, and the amount of work you're putting into sourcing alternatives... And I was just personally really curious, and I love this because I can always follow my curiosity and there's no one here to stop me. <laughs> um, do you have like, uh, is it an ongoing thing to sort of put those contingencies in place for alternatives because you never quite know what's going to happen? Or is that kind of thing, you, you're ready to react when, when the need arises, but you don't actually have a bank of, it, it's too costly or too time intensive or whatever to have that bank of alternatives ready? Well, um, you know, there's a sort of long history around this. I go back as quite a few years in the company and I can remember the foot and mouth crisis in 2000. I can remember previous CO2 crises. I can remember being grain being in short supply. But it used to be one of those events every three or four years. Um, in the last three years, we've kind of had all these events taking place all year. Um, so, uh, you know, we mustn't become blasé about our ability to to deal with them. Um, but I think we have a more resilient business. And that's a more resilient business in, in two ways. I think uh, we are um, putting in place these contingencies that you talked of and looking at alternatives of for supply and looking to onshore some of our supply and that, that all of those good things but also our staff are more resilient about dealing with these things you know um, every one of those events would have got us running round uh, back in the annals of time now we just get on with dealing with it yeah. so the organisation has learned a lot learned yeah. a hell of a lot during the last three years it's um, you know the, the strengthening that comes through through adversity and, and a lot of people get and I know I was like this when I was working in politics when things went what could loosely be called awry or wrong or, or just sideways yeah. uh, in an unexpected way that's that's when you kind of like okay this is this is somewhere I wouldn't want to be but I'm actually really yeah. excited to get into the guts of dealing with it yeah um, yeah so when you go about making these changes to um, whichever side of the business that you, you're kind of circumstances in the wider world and we all know about Ukraine yeah. uh, w w when they force your hand into sourcing these alternatives in such a manner as forgive me this is going to sound slightly hypothetical but the customer is likely to notice mm. um, how do you what's the process or do you have a process of getting the bringing the customer on board to those changes and getting them to say yeah do you know what it's the same Adam's quality and I actually quite like it or uh, you know, I understand the reasons, and I'm going to stick with stick with that. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, we um, we talk to our customers quite a lot. Um, that's uh, in many respects that's a one way traffic because we're sending out emails, that type of thing. Um, but we have a band of customers who are really interested in Adnams and care about Adnams. Some of them are very small shareholders, but there's a much wider group of people. Um, organizations such as the campaign for real ale and things such as that so we have an ongoing dialogue with our customer base um, and we try and be as transparent as we can around this this is one of the things that i think is really important in business is to uh, be as transparent as you can be 
Yeah. There are some things that you can't talk about, but um, because you're just not allowed to talk about your financial results ahead of your financial results yes, coming out exactly. and this type of thing. Um, but but secrets in business are a bit of an Achilles heel. Mm. And we believe in being as transparent around what we're doing as, as possible. And that's what we do. Yeah. And that's what we do. And, you know, this is part of that value of sustainable success. You've got to treat people as adults and you've got to be transparent with what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that communication is key. In, in bringing yeah. people with you because they don't feel like sort of blindsided by change, no, no. which nobody likes. No, um, no. I mean, we don't always get it right. I mean, you know, I, I can't sit here um, and say that we, we get everything right all of the time, but the intention yeah. is to be as transparent as possible and to, to tell people what's going on in the business as soon as we can. Sustainability. Uh, that you mentioned earlier, whether that be environmental or social, yeah. has been an absolutely fundamental part, as you alluded, of Adnan's brand identity for a quarter of a century now. Mm. Um, you've won three Queen's Awards for mm. sustainability, hopefully a King's Award for mm. sustainability, won't yeah. be far away. Um, and I was just drawn to, to, to what the, the, again, back to the report, what the report said about waste and how, you, how you're dealing with that. And I'll come on to water in a minute, but waste, <laughs> how, how, is, how is, I suppose, you know, forgive a basic question, what sort of waste do you produce? And what are your plans and thinking around it? Well, I mean, if it? you think of our um, uh, manufacturing process, um, we have spent grains and hops, and um, we put those back into the animal food supply chain. There's a nutritional value in it. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were doing this, you know, you talk about 25 years. We were probably doing this 40 or 50 years ago. We were, um, feed, we, we, we at one stage owned a pig farm. Right. And we were feeding, uh, you know, spent grain to pigs. And, and uh, there was a slogan. I, I think we've still got some T-shirts in our... In our archive, you know, Adnam's pigs are happy pigs. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's been this sense throughout the business uh, for many a long year. And I think it comes back to where we are based, really. We're, we're perched here on the edge, eastern edge of England. Um, when you get a North Sea surge and that coincides with a uh, spring tide... You know, the place down at the harbour gets flooded. The harbour inn gets flooded. Some of the posh beach, beach huts can get washed away. So that's what sort of um, meant that it's part of the fabric of, yeah. uh, 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 of the business. So, you know, it's, it's, as you say, been part of our ethos for 25 years or more and will continue to be so. Yeah. Just because we're lo where we're located, among other things... Of course, we do it because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think he says that uh, doing things the right way continues to guide us is the yeah. opening part of yeah. your strategic report. And, uh, you know, I think the, 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 that comes through in the, in the brand that, you, you know, you know you are buying a brand yes. uh, that, I mean, reflects, reflects your values, reflects the right values. Well, thank um, you for saying that. Well, I, that's yeah. what I think. Yeah, um, yeah. And I know yeah. lots of people listening to this will think the same. I know it's become fashionable at the moment yeah. in certain circles to sneer at uh, ESG, yeah. but that's yeah. not anything... Uh, yeah. I think that, that, that's really important. And, and certainly businesses in this, re in this region and across, across the country are, uh, I think, leading the way 
in demonstrating those values and think this is what our customers want to see. So let's let's. Well, yeah, absolutely, and it comes back to that earlier conversation that we were having about knowing your customers and what their preferences are. Uh, and we know our customers, and and they care about these things because they've told us that, and the profiles that we have tell us that they that they care about these things. And we extend it beyond just the environmental. Uh, as I've said earlier, you know the social aspects of alcohol. Um, the social aspects of pubs in their communities uh, or in villages now, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker's gone. The pub is often yeah. the, the last yeah. uh, tangible community asset that's standing. Uh, so we have to be very con- conscious of that. Um, and the built environment, you know, when we built the uh, new distribution centre at Raiden, it was deliberately built, built seven metres down. It was deliberately given a grass roof. Those things have uh, environmental uh, perspectives on, on the design, but it was also to disguise it, you know, in an area of outstanding natural mm. beauty, not to put a great big thumping great crinkly tin shed um, there, so it, it, it's about the built environment. If you look at our brewery, you know it's a classic um, Victorian tower brewery, but behind it is a very modern, state-of-the-art brewery. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that the distribution centre is going to be certainly a, a, a case study. I, I will bring up later this month when we record our panel, our roundtable on how the A11 corridor in Norfolk can support the growth of Cambridge mm. Um, mm. and that uh, it doesn't need to mean great big whacking sheds because look at what Adnams has done at yes. Reagan. Yes. And, and, and that is a, that is a fantastic uh, thing because he makes, he makes absolute sense. Yeah. He makes absolute sense. He's not necessary um, to, to, to do it any other way. I'm looking at two glasses of water, which reminds me to bring up water. Now, obviously, water is absolutely fundamental to what you do. Mm. There is no Adams mm. without water. Mm. Um, so... What are the pressures there, and how's Adnams reacting to, to the to the pressures on on water? Because we, we, we're often told this is one of the driest is the driest part of of the UK. Yes, it was. Uh, I think you wouldn't have thought so this year. No, no. <laughs> but, I would, you um, know, Peter Simpson at Anglian Water will often say this is the uh, uh, warmest and driest part of the UK. Uh, and he famously told me once that uh, we had the rainfall equivalent to that of Jerusalem. Um, but as I say, that hasn't been that hasn't played no. out this year. Um, but we, you know, you look at climate over the broad sweep of time. Don't Climate's you? not weather. People no, often forget exactly. So um, yeah, we're in a water depleted area. Um, at the moment, we've got permissions to you know draw water and. Uh, but we have put in uh, facilities. So when you go to a brewing town, you'll often get that wonderful uh, smell of hops and you'll see steam coming out of chimneys. Um, We can do that here and and, and we sometimes uh, vent some energy to the atmosphere. But that is energy being um, vented to the atmosphere in the form of steam. What we do is we capture that steam in a heat retention tank and we use that for boiling the next boil that comes through. Really? The next brew that comes through. Yeah, so we've got a big heat retention tank, very hot, obviously. Yeah. Um, And that means we're recycling water. 
as much as possible. We're still using a lot of water, and yeah, we're still, you know, because that, yeah. we can't get away from that fact. But we have benchmarked this brewery. I'm not going to go into numbers particularly, but um, the amount of pints of water used to make a pint of beer are much reduced in this brewery mm. versus other breweries of a similar size. So we've done a lot of work in, in, in that space, but we've got more work to do yeah. because it is going to be a stressed uh, part of our supply chain is, is the supply of water. Is that particularly uh, around low and no alcohol beers? Yes. Uh, so our low alcohol uh, beer, we use a process called, uh, and I love saying these words, reverse osmosis. Yes. <laughs> um, or RO in the, uh, in, in the parlance. And, and that is uh, pushing the beer, and, and it's the full 4.5% go ship, through a fine filter. Uh, and the alcohol molecules stay on one side and the uh, beer flavour passes through to the other and the, and the what, what goes into bottle is 0.5 um, ghost ship. That does use quite a bit of water going through that. So there is some more investment that we're going to do um, as soon as time allows us to um, reduce the water consumption of that particular part of the process. So, and how does the uh, sustainability agenda in this in these buildings in, in the Adams uh, uh, Brewery and and, and uh, uh, additional sort of add-on buildings and distribution centre? How does that flow out into um, both the owned pubs and hotels and also the the, the tenanted properties you you, you let? Well. Um... A lot of the tenanted properties that we let are ancient buildings, grade two listed. Um, when we do um, do refurbishments of those buildings, we build in sustainability features. Um, we encourage the you know use of uh, solar where we can. We ensure that our boilers are the latest. We're, we're trying to do everything we can, but you've also got to maintain the character of these Indeed. buildings because that's what people love about Indeed. an English pub. So there is a bit of a tension there, but there's all sorts of other stuff that we can do around the edges of that. I mean, the vehicles that deliver to the pubs are are running on uh, hydrogenated vegetable oil. I think 50% of our fleet is running on that at the moment. And that trial will now extend probably to, to our whole fleet in the next year or yeah. so. Yeah, I read, I read about that, uh, about the trial. Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned ancient buildings, and I am bound to bring up, and hopefully this, um, this should go out before it happens, the, the Eastern Promise uh, live event, our first major live event in October, the 12th of October, 2023. It's, it's an event at Jesus College, Cambridge. Right. Where we will be having three panels. The first panel will be looking at decarbonising heritage. Mm -hmm. The second panel will be looking at reusing redundant heritage and bringing that back online in, in a sustainable way. And the third panel will be looking at, okay, we want to do either the first one or the second one. Where do we find the funding to do that? Mm. Uh, we won't be going into why decarbonising is important because everyone there will already know. Yeah. We'll be just getting right to the guts of how how you go about it and, and looking at think places like Jesus College, perhaps we should bring them here as well yeah. and, and say, look at what look at what Adams have done. Well, I mean, uh, of course you'd be very, very welcome here, but there are a number of case studies on the distribution centre 
the wall it's got a wooden uh, frame its roof is held up by glued laminated beams 90 meters end to end um, the walls are lime hemp block this right. was a building material that was used you know hundreds of years ago and it has tremendous thermal capacities um, and the the product is called hemcrete and we were yeah. pioneers with the company mm. in that this was probably the first building at scale they did um, and they were manufacturing uh, blocks on site so that we cut down the construction miles um, way back in in 2006 2000, right. you know 2005 wow. 2006 so um, the technology's been there the technology that we used there um, you know creating great thermal stability the the warehouse acting as a thermos flask has been known for hundreds of years. Yeah. So you're on to something, really. <laughs> absolutely. So I, I look to... forward to that conference. Very good. Yes, absolutely. Well, we shall. Uh, I shall. I shall make sure you get a ticket. Um, you've been, and I remember. I remember many times waking up in the morning and hearing your voice on the Today program as as a kind of a, a spokesman. Uh, for the sector, um, or, or not during the pandemic, but since with the, the cost of living crisis on the pressures facing the industry. I mean, how's what, what's that experience been like for you? I mean, has, uh, were you sort of sought out by the BBC? Were you, you know, is, it, is it because you're a chair of a ind- particular industry body? Um, I think it's something about the Adnams brand and yeah. what it stands for. And... Um, We've been pioneers in, in, in many respects and we have a sort of unwritten value of telling it how it is. This is back to the uh, transparency piece. Um, so I don't think it's my winning smile or anything. I, <laughs> oh, think, I, it's, uh, I think it's that Adnams is, is, is an interesting company. It's a, it's a mid-sized company working in an interesting sector a sector that's often a bellwether for how the economy is working. Um, you know, there aren't many great big brewers that are British-owned now. No. There are, you know, probably Brewdog. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the others are international global giants. Yeah. So who do they come to speak to? And they come to the east coast of England and speak to Adnams. Quite right, too. I mean, this is some, something that's been struck me as I've been sitting here and talking to yourself, is I think the answer to this is yes, and I think that's a, that's absolutely fine. But I'm interested to see what your take is. Is Adams a high-end brand? Um, is Adams a high-end brand? Uh, so, I, I think we uh, have our roots in, in rural Suffolk, and serving a, a broad cross-section of customers in rural Suffolk. Um, our biggest customer base are probably three or four of the most affluent groups of people in the UK. So there's something about that. Um, and, and, you know, how, how do you find high-end? I think it's more of a mindset. Yes. I think it's more of a mindset. I think we, we, are, we appeal to people who like food, you know, our, our beers and our wines and our spirits. You know, they want to know the provenance of, of them. 
Um, so it, it's more a mindset rather than a depth of pockets yeah. thing that appeals to the that the Adnams consumer is, you know, the Adnams yeah. customer. I mean, I think I'll tell you why I asked the question. They're, they're, I don't want to say other people aren't thinking, but they are interested in food and drink. Yeah. And think about food and drink. Yes. I mean, the, the reason why I ask is because it conjures in my mind as someone who's lived, not I'm not from the east of England, but I've lived in the east of England for 23 years. Actually, no, more than 25, actually. Mm. Um, and I can't think about Adnams without thinking about seeing the really nice shops mm. or, you mm. know, across, across mm. the region, without thinking about the really beautiful pubs mm. in, in here Thank and you. in other yeah. places in the area. And, you know, the, the other people I talk to who consume Adam's products. And you're right, it is more of a mindset. It is more of an aspiration mm. um, of, of a, a, an East, East Coast, East of England state of mind, for which yeah. we thank you um, for, for, for that. Well, um, so, uh, how is Adam staying ahead of the trends in consumption? You mentioned food and drink. Uh, in, in sort of eating out and the impact that that's, you do, again, that's something mentioned in the report, the impact inflation's having on the cost of living, that people aspire to eat out, but they, they don't find it stretches. So how are you adapting to that and staying ahead of those consumer trends? We're very conscious of these consumer trends and, and we always want people to be able to afford a pint of Adnams beer. Um, so what are we doing? Uh, we're very conscious of how much of these price increases that we're uh, being hit with in our supply chain that we can pass on to our consumer. We're always very conscious of that. Um, we are adapting menus so that people can come in and eat, you know, ju maybe just one course uh, that, that, that works for them. Uh, we're looking at our supply chain to see if there's anything that we can do that's more cost-effective in, in that space. So we're working really hard um, you know, to enable people to still come out and enjoy a pint of Adnams beer and fish and chips in one of our pubs, because that's that's part of what makes the world go round. Yes, yeah, a quintessential experience. And um, some, you know, but it but it has you know been a very sort of traumatic three years, really, mm. with the pandemic and then the war in Ukraine uh, affecting all the sorts of things that that other people far more qualified than I will be able to talk about. But um, but we're working re relentlessly to still make that an affordable luxury for people. And to keep the pub really at the centre of people's communities Absolutely. for as long, you know, as Absolutely. Much as I mean, we're, you know, we, we own the bricks and mortar, um, but we see ourselves as, as, as guardians of community assets, really. Um, you know, you go into villages, as I've said earlier, Often there's nothing in the village other than the pub where the community can come together. Yeah. That's an important thing to so, have in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Just step away um, for the rest of the interview from Adnams. Yeah. And obviously the, the government have now announced that LEPs are, are done. And oh, no they more. are uh, being wound into local authorities, combined authorities, yes. however. Um, and I just wanted to get, you are, were the first chair... And that's, I think that's where I first met you at a, a meeting in Westminster, mm. um, the first chair of the New Anglia LEP. And I just wanted to get your reflections on um, your time as the chair and sort of f f those sort of first 
days, weeks, years, when you got that kind of almost blank sheet of paper and the government was probably, as all governments always are, a tiny bit vague about what it wants to achieve, <laughs> but it knows it wants you to do it. Hmm. Well, it, it, was a, it was a very interesting period of time. I think it must have been about 2010, 2011. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Cameron government had been elected in 2010, I think, and they decided to abolish regional development agencies. And I got into a debate with the, the government at that time saying, you know, why are you doing this? You've got nine economic development units in the regions. Why are you doing this? They decided that they wanted to make that more smaller, less bureaucratic, uh, and they wanted it to be business-led. And um, I think in East Anglia, I was in a lineup of people and everyone took a step back and I was the one who was left standing standing out there. But I've got to say, it was a, it was a really... Uh, thoroughly enjoyable experience right, yeah. very tiring trying to do that uh, um, uh, with doing this job you know it meant early morning starts it was not unusual for me to be meeting people at seven o'clock in the morning and still working at eight nine o'clock at night because I was doing this during the day um, but it was a fantastically rewarding experience and I got to meet you know hundreds of of small, medium businesses around East Anglia. I got to spend some time and see how government works or at times doesn't work. <laughs> yes. Um, we had a flush of new intake MPs uh, who hadn't then made it into ministerial role, roles and, and didn't have the battle scars of, of, of uh, you know, a decade in, in office uh, and were very supportive the local authorities were very supportive. Suffolk and Norfolk worked together like they'd never worked together before. Mm-hmm. It was great. It was great. Um, and then we tried to get a devolution deal for Norfolk, Suffolk and Cambridgeshire, which, you know, I still regret we didn't get over the line because that would have created an economy the size of Greater Manchester. Yeah. I mean, we would really, truly have sat at the top table if we'd managed to pull that off. Unfortunately, we didn't. I, when I still get asked to this day when I do interviews in Cambridge, why didn't that happen? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I don't expect you to give me an answer. I, do, I, I, I have my suspicions. Uh, and everyone kind of likes... It's, it's sort of like a, everyone goes, they do, you know, it's because of them. Uh, but, um, you know... the. the these things happen the way they happen and political pressures happen at every level. Yeah. Um, so uh, what, what do you think about where the LEP is now as it, as it, as it sort, of, is sort of disaggregated into the two county councils? And how well do you feel, feel it achieved the objectives and the, the visions you had for it in those early days? I mean, we, we set out sort of four, four priorities. I don't want to sound like a politician, but we set out four priorities uh, right at the start. Chris Starkey, myself, we had uh, a, a person who helped us with the admin uh, and, you know, someone brought their dog in as well. So yeah. there, there was sort of uh, a, just a, a handful of us. Um, we set out some priorities and, and those largely got carried right through. Yeah really um so we we started something off i think you know it's it's always difficult but i i think chris starkey and his team there have a body of work that they can point to 
yes. and say they did a pretty good job for yes. for you know the two counties. Uh, and I, and I think you know it's difficult to criticise anything there. I think they've done a done a good job. Yeah, and, uh, and, and uh, you know the the LEP will get folded into the uh, Norfolk County Council and Suffolk County Council, and they will have their own economic development approach. And you know they'll find their own way. And Chris, I think, has gone in yes, yeah. at, at Norfolk County Council, and he'll be uh, a great advocate for business uh, within that institution, within yes. that organisation. Absolutely. And and how would you like to see the links between Norfolk, Suffolk and Cambridgeshire uh, grow over the coming years? Well, you you touched on the uh, A11 corridor between Cambridge and Norwich. And at one end, you've got uh, Norwich Research Park. At the other end, you've got the science parks in Cambridge. You've got the University of East Anglia. You've got Cambridge University there uh, you've got lotus cars along that uh, corridor as well uh, and some other fantastic businesses warren engineering at, uh, uh, at thetford there's a huge opportunity there there's no there doubt um i think you know we need to come together around the tourism and visitor economy there's no doubt about that um when someone visits east anglia they might go and do a bit of shopping in norwich they might go to the norfolk broads they might visit uh Southwold or go deep into Suffolk, into Bury St Edmunds or whatever. Um, they're not um, they're not swayed by sort of artificial political boundaries. And I think we need to think about the customer. I, as a businessman, you need to think about the customer. Um, and I think as you know, our offer to the rest of the UK and internationally, we need to think about the customer and how they yeah. view us. Yes. Um, I, I, I read an interesting report the other day that said the South East and East Anglia is, uh, are still really showing some economic growth, which is great. Um, part of that is our proximity to London. But we've got a strong identity here if we can just bring that yes. all together and package it up in a way that the, the, the customer understands. I think so. I mean, I... I'll say it again because I've said it many times before. This is, I know there's been a bit of a, a, a setback in the in the in the seas off off Lowestoft and Yarmouth with Vattenfall and the Boreas wind farm. However, that doesn't change the fact that the wind blows really powerfully there, and that's a really great mm. spot for it. This is the most exciting time to be in the east of England. This is the region that has it all. Other regions have bits, but we've got yeah. the science, the life science. The plant science, we've got the energy sector, we've got creative sector, we've got food, the, the yeah. potential... And we're the nation's breadbasket as well. Yeah, virtual circle between science, food production, agri-tech is, is immense. Yes. So what an exciting place to be. Why would you want to be anywhere else? No, absolutely, um, absolutely. I was talking to a, a, a Japanese, as I interpreted uh, during Cambridge Tech Week, a Japanese data startup from uh, Kyoto and sort of, and saying, why should we come here and not London? And I was like, well, London, you're just facing the crowd in here. You, you know, mm. you, 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 you can't go around the corner without bumping mm. into someone you mm. know and have a chat mm. with. And it's so warm and friendly that you wouldn't really want to be anywhere else. Yeah. And I, and I well, absolutely doing your that. job, doing your bit for East Anglia. Absolutely, that's why we're here, and that's why that's what I mean. Look at this. 
you're, you know, you, you, I can talk to people, friends from all over the country, and they say, oh, I do like a pint of ghost ship. Yeah. Very nice. My yeah. personal favourite as well, I have to say. I'm not just good. saying that because you're here. No, good. Keep up the good work. Absolutely. Um, Adnams is an amazing brand, and we're very proud to have it as, as such a fundamental part of the East of England. Andy Wood, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's lovely to see you around things like the Norfolk Show, but it's even better to meet you here in Southwold at the heart of Adams. Thank you. Uh, it's great to be here, Mike. Thank you. Thank you, Andy, and the Adams team for your incredibly warm welcome. It was an eye-opening visit and a delight to be in Southwold. I bet you want fish and chips with a pint now, don't you? Eh? It's okay. I did. The Eastern Promise Podcast is a Priors Croft production for the Eastern Promise Community Interest Company and was brought to you in association with Mills and Reeve. Achieving more together.